for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. So I was thinking of you as a song came on the radio on my drive in here today. You don't know the song? Sure. It's no, you don't. But for this, <laughs> you really don't care. But uh, the song. <laughs> Uh, it was about 12.55, and I was approximately five minutes from here, and you keep giving me shit, rightfully so. I don't care about getting here at one when we agree to get here and meet. And uh, it was Mike and the Mechanics. All I need is a miracle. I just, I just thought that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> like I was right on the edge of getting here by one. Uh, it, it, was one it was 1 o'clock last week and 101 this week, so... Making progress. Wasn't the original plan to start recording at 1 o'clock? Because I seem to remember. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we always meet at 1, right? We meet, we talk, we flip on the mic. Uh, are you, March Madness has arrived. I mean, we're recording this on the last day of February, but uh, when a lot of people listen to this, March Madness will have arrived. we got the Summit League Tournament in Sioux Falls this weekend. We just, we just had the Northern Sun Tournament. High school, everybody's in the postseason now. And... I, I know you're going to be tuning in. Nebraska men tonight going for their fifth win in six games. They're taking on Michigan State. The Huskers are trying to get out of that bottom four of the Big Ten and get that Tuesday bye in the tournament next week against Michigan State. This is important for the Huskers' chances of making the NIT. So I was going to say, Woo! helping their NIT. <laughs> yeah. How, how, uh, how warm is the seat for Fred? Is that not at all. Yeah. No, they're thrilled. I mean, they've had this late-season charge. Like I think they've won five of six and all five of the wins. Well, uh, all the games, but one have been at home. One of the wins was on the road. One of the losses was on the road. But anyway, well, yeah. hey, they're better off than the Gophers. What are they? Oh, they're last place. Or something? Yeah. Nebraska just beat them on Saturday. The Gophers, the, the things look bleak uh, because uh, the Gophers have very little support. They just don't have much financial support. They're getting the, the, the that old barn is a giant arena that that's a third full now for a lot of their games, and I don't think there's a lot of NIL money there and. Poor Ben Johnson. That program has uh, never been lower than it is right now. No, it's tough. And they never, they're they not getting – they fired Patino because they're not getting the best kids from Minnesota, and I don't think this guy has Big a shot. Big just decommitted, I saw. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but no, Nebraska's uh, perking on up. The, Fred set the bar so low for himself <laughs> that, that in year four – and no one, no one wants to hear this, so I'll give this 30 seconds. What Fred Hoiberg tried to do, they hired him because, hey, Fred, at Iowa State, he took a bunch of transfers and they hit a bunch of – threes and they ran up and down the floor and they scored 85 points a game and we're going to bring this to Nebraska. It's kind of like Scott Frost with his offense high scoring juggernaut. We're going to make the rest of the Big Ten adjust to us. And then Fred realizes oh everybody's does the transfer portal now. Uh -huh. He did it before the portal where he, he based his program off really good athletic transfers and uh, well he, he now everybody's doing that and he can't excel at it. In fact, it's he has sucked at it. So now, it's ironically, Fred has brought Nebraska basketball to its absolute roots in history. Defense and rebounding and hustling and squeezing out these Slowing squeezing out down these the wins. Yeah. Not necessarily they don't slow down the game as much. It's not quite the Wisconsin hustling whiteies as you uh -huh. like to always call Wisconsin. Uh -huh. But it's uh, it's it's definitely not running. It's not 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 basing yourself on prolific scoring. So. 
But oh no, man, the Husker fans are eating it up at this point in the season. So there's your uh, there's your Nebraska ball update. Um, how you know the Summit League's here, and of course. On the outside, uh, the appearances are Sioux Falls is excited about this. I mean, Dakota News now. We had a we had a reporter doing a live shot outside of the Denny on Monday, four days before it started. Hey, it's an expanded tournament. We got games on Friday night now for the first time ever. Um, I don't mean to be the cynic in the room, but I'm, I'm asking you as someone who's deeply covered it since mm -hmm. its inception here. Is the thrill is some of the thrill gone just a little bit? And is, is it even more so this year because neither USD team looks very hopeful to at least make the championship game this year? I mean, it's, there's not um, a lot of momentum there. We'll see. You know, I think uh, this is maybe the first year that it kind of feels back to normal coming out of the pandemic. Because obviously two years ago, we didn't even have it. They played it, you know, in front of an empty Sanford Pentagon, which the games counted. But otherwise, you know, it was a complete aberration from what we're used to and then last year was a return to normal but it still felt a little like okay we're still coming out of that you know it, it we still weren't fully back to normal or however you want to say it um and everything kind of got upended a little bit by the pandemic we all wondered you know like what what is this going to do to live sports to, to everything you know just our, our lives were interrupted to such a historic degree it was weird to wonder how we sort of got back into our old routines you know, um, a little bit off topic, but also kind of related. You know, I thought SDSU's football attendance was going to be down coming out of the pandemic. And the exact opposite happened. You know, I don't know if it was a coincidence or if people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I really am going to relish the opportunity to go out and go to live sporting events again. Or just the fact that they had an awesome team. But, you know, their attendance the last two seasons has been outstanding. Uh, I don't even remember what the crowds were like at last year's Summit League tournament. Um, I know they didn't send, or I should say, I'm pretty sure they didn't set any records. So I think to some degree has the novelty worn off, yeah, a little bit. We're not s setting these records that we did the first couple years in the Premier Center. Um, and usually when those records are being set, it's because all four of the local teams are really good. You know, you had the, the Craig Smith year with USD where they were every bit as good as the Jacks. And then obviously on the women's side, they've both been the class of the league for the last few years. That helped. Um... For SDSU, it's, it is getting a little bit old hat, you know, especially the women. You know they're going to be playing on Tuesday every single year. Uh, the men, for the most part, have been. Um, but I still think it's always going to be fresh maybe isn't the word, but I don't think it's ever going to be something that people go, oh, you know what, I'm just not that interested anymore because it's in Sioux Falls and the Jacks play their home games in Brookings. That is always going to keep it somewhat fresh because I know, you know, SDSU has the biggest fan base in this state. That is obvious. There's no question about that. But how many of those fans are actually in Brookings, you know? The Jacks draw well for regular season basketball games. They get, you know, 2,000 for women, 2,500 for men, whatever it is. Good crowds. Um, but I don't know how many people are driving up from Sioux Falls every weekend. There's a lot of Jacks fans here in Sioux Falls that for the most part don't go to Brookings during the regular season. They watch the games on TV, maybe they go to one here and there, um, but they're kind of saving their their money, their ticket buying for the Summit League tournament. And I think that's what's going to always keep it fresh, what's going to make sure that it doesn't get to where, ah, this is not fun anymore, it's old hat, whatever. 
there's always going to be a large percentage of, of basketball fans, Jacks fans, but Coyote fans too, even unattached fans. I always see tons of Augie fans out at the Summit League tournament too. You know, people who are like, hey, this is the event that I wait all basketball season for because I don't go to Brookings. I don't go to Vermillion. Yeah. But when those teams come here, there's Division One basketball in Sioux Falls. That's your only chance to see, I mean, I guess, you know, both Jack's teams played a game at the Pentagon this year, but for the most part, that's your chance to see Division One basketball in Sioux Falls. And as this city continues to grow, it's over 200,000 people now, there's always going to be a, a large number of people that are going to want to go out and watch Division One basketball in person. So I think, you know, who knows, maybe 10 years from now we'll look back at this and go, oh, you were wrong, Zim. But I think to some degree there's always going to be an appetite for the Summit League tournament that it's always going to be a big draw. It's always going to be a hot ticket in Sioux Falls. You got me fired up again. Oh, thank you. I was kind of like, well, USD's not very good this year, and it's old hat. That You just said it, the Jacks. Both teams are probably going to make it to the championship round. Interestingly, uh, it's not like USD's teams are total dogs, and if both of them win, the men as a six seed on Sunday night, the, the women as a four seed. They're the four? I think yeah. so. They're in the um, four-five game, yeah. So we would have, well, Jackson Yotes men probably aren't going to meet because it would be in the championship game. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I mean, it's possible, but uh, unlike, I'd, I'd say it's l less than likely. And, uh, but the, the USD and SDSU women may very much well meet on Monday. Mm -hmm. what, what's interesting about that is, of course, we all know that's going to be an afternoon game because that's when the women play. And, again, there will be, always be a healthy contingency of Jacks fans at that. Um, and there's the old line, and maybe it's partly true, that a lot of these Jacks fans are farmers, so they're not as busy in the winter, so they can, <laughs> you know, it's not like they have to take these days off. If a lot of them are in Sioux Falls, that's probably not quite true. Uh, but th they'll be there, whether they're taking, they have to take the afternoon off from work mm -hmm. or not. But will the USD fans be there knowing that they got... Didn't they just get demolished twice by the Jacks? The women did. Yeah, both that's times. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, both teams are coming in with some momentum. Uh, USD's women had a real nice weekend on the road to end the season. And then the men, uh, Kansas City's not a great team, but they absolutely piss-pounded them. I think 82-48 to 48 or something. I mean, that's maybe the best game they played all year in the Summit League. And, and they played real tough against Oral Roberts uh, on the Thursday night before that. So both of their teams are coming in with some momentum. Um, it's real hard to get a read on USD fans um, because the vocal fans who are constantly complaining that, you know, everyone's against them and there's all this blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, they're going to show up and they're going to be engaged or whatever. But, you know, obviously a, a large percentage of USD's fan base is pretty ambivalent and they only come out when, you know, they think they got a chance to win. And I don't know how it looks right now. I mean, both teams have a good chance to win their first round game. Um, but after that, you know, it looks kind of sketchy. You know, we used to kind of chastise USD fans the first few years of the D1 era, like, you know, why don't you come out? Where's the red? Although, you know, Jack's fans also bought up a lot of the tickets before they had the chance. Yeah. I, you know, I think USD's administration has done everything they can to try to build that. I know the, uh, I think it's called like the Howland Pack room or something is that room that's right next to where the media is. Yeah. That place is always a party. It is. You know, Absolutely. You go by there. There's obviously, there is a sect of USD fans that's all in on this. Um, and I know they'll be there for, for the men and the women. It's just they haven't yet been able to to kind of sustain that and build on it for a variety of reasons. You know, the U SDSU fans buying up the tickets is part of it. Uh, you know, having trouble getting momentum going with the men's team is part of it. Now this year you lose, you know, even you, you kind of always had, well, at least the women are going to be in the championship. 
that's not going to happen this year probably. I mean, they could get – well, probably not because they'd have to play probably SEC, have to, Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's a process, and I know USD fans don't like to hear it, but they're not where SDSU is right now. That's just a fact. Um, and it's hard to blame their fans for saying, well, you're not doing your part or whatever. Like, what do you want them to do? Yeah. You know, I mean, their team is, teams aren't as good. Right. And they're not going to stay at the tournament after their team gets beat out. No. You know, so, I mean, if yeah, if there's going to be blue and yellow there all through the weekend and USD fans all go home after their team gets beat out, well, yeah, what would you do if you're a USD fan? But the thrill is not gone for the Jacks fans the, the way that maybe the thrill is gone for, say, Sioux Falls Storm fans. I use that and just so used to winning that the people just kind of stop showing up. Yeah. That's not the case of the Summit League tournament for the Jacks fans. You don't think it will be this weekend because well. I, do, I do think some of the luster is gone. Uh, simply because, well, here's my, you tell me if you agree or not. On the women's side, yes, the Jack women are number one seed and the, the attorney favorites, great. But isn't it a lot more fun and isn't there a lot more intrigue when USD is right there and it's supposed to come down to those two? And on the men's side, again, USD doesn't feel like it's much of a part of the picture either. And the Jack men, <clears throat> we can, we'll can we get to that. Uh, it kind of now feels like they got a shot to beat Oral Roberts in a championship game. So maybe there maybe there is all the flavor and flair that there always is for the men. I mean, I, I don't get a sense that there's, I mean, are you just speaking for yourself, that you're just not as excited as you I have did, been in past I years? Just, I, just, I just wonder if Jack fans are, if there's any part of the section, part of the SDSU I mean, fan dude, base that an, is... an NCAA tournament berth is at, <laughs> at stake, you know? I mean, I hear what you're saying, like making the storm comparison, but, yeah. you know, in the big picture, who gives a shit about an indoor football title? Yeah. You know, yeah. the NCAA yeah, yeah. tournament's a much bigger deal. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not... Saying yeah, that these are not my opinions. These are just questions. And I'm not saying you're way off base. I do think anything that you know becomes no longer when it loses its newness or newness, yeah, that, that that's a thing. Um, but I just think NCAA tournament, man, yeah, that's a big deal. Right. That's why we went Division One as a state. Yeah. We can talk about football and baseball and soccer and all the other stuff. It's all about basketball because the football team isn't even at the highest level of Division One. They don't get to compete against the Alabamas and the Texases and those kinds of teams. In basketball, you do. Now, granted, that means you're probably not ever going to play for a national championship, whereas football can. But you're a part of one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Yep. The NCAA tournament's right up there with the Super Bowl and the World Series. I mean, that's as big as it gets. And when you're playing in that first-round game, millions and millions of people are watching you play. Those first two days are like the two biggest days. Yeah, It's like absolutely. people, it, it, it kind of tapers off a absolutely as the stakes get higher. Yeah, because people's brackets get busted, yeah. or their favorite team gets beat out. Yeah. Those first two days are what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, that's, just, yeah. I've never even been a big college basketball fan, but those first two days of the tournament, I mean, those are like cocaine. I mean, that's just <laughs> awesome. I can't, I can't even focus on anything else. Yeah. Back when I had a different job, like... NCAA tournament, how the fuck do you expect me to work when yeah, this is going on? Right. Like, just no. Right. Well, th that Thursday, which is kind of a bigger day than Friday because it is the first day, uh -huh. the, the, the only downside for me is I'm doing four st high school state tournaments. I'm working <laughs> uh -huh. literally that whole – and usually spending the morning getting ready for those games. So I hardly I've had to do that before, too. any of it. Yeah, and that's not <clears> – <throat> But I, times I had to go cover high but school tournaments. But I cool. will, yeah. I'm missing the Super Bowl of basketball. But yeah. I, but I will see the end. Like the, there's always late night games. Like usually yeah. the high school games will get over that you can see the the crazy late night games. And then yeah. Friday I get some of the day to watch it. But anyway, um, no, okay, you, you you got me. I'm sold. And by the way, if that's the well, case, I mean, we'll, see, we'll see what the crowds look like. I mean, maybe yeah. they'll be down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's not gonna be empty. 
I mean, right. there's still going to be good crowds. And, 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 and these questions I'm bringing up, I'm not, I'm not trying to stir any pots. I'm just literally wondering this because there is a part of me that's kind of like the newness is guy. I mean, we're 13 years into this sort of thing, and it's old hat. And how much do we in Sioux Falls care about any of these other teams besides the Jackrabbits and USD? Yeah, we, we don't. don't. We don't. Well, um, I mean, and at first, when Oral Roberts made their Sweet 16 run, I think people paid attention. It, when they got there, but yeah. when they were here. They, well, of course. No, yeah, no. Well, yeah, we're rooting for our teams. And then, right. Yeah. Um, so it's. I think the first two or three or four years, maybe we were st- we were at least maybe not the public in general and the Jacks and Yotes fans who are generally most of the people from the public who go to these games. But you know, we were you being a sports writer and me being doing the talk show. It was such a new and the biggest sporting event that ever come to South Dakota. Period. First live sporting event on national TV in South Dakota, I believe, was that uh, th- that's what we were saying at the time. Might have been. Uh, for the women's game and then the men's game that followed that <coughs> in 2010. And I just remember being just so exhilarated by all of this. Like, I, I wanted to see every game. Mm-hmm. I was fascinated by these press conferences with these coaches afterwards mm-hmm. and getting to learn some of these other schools and, the, and, mm-hmm. and the, the opponents of these schools. SDSU's men were still on the climb. They were a seven seed yep. the very first year of this thing. And uh, then they got to a mid seed. I think by the third year it was in Sioux Falls they won it. Um, but uh, I think as a four seed, if I'm not mistaken, um, but, uh, but now, of course, I think some of that is gone. Like the curiosity and the thing yeah. of like Well, and another thing, other... too, is the death of local media. You mm. know, there used to be armies of reporters at these games. Well, yes. now every sports writer in the country has been laid off. You know, so, I mean, it's it's me and three <laughs> and other guys. And almost all of them in Sioux Falls, yes. But, I mean, also like in the other papers used to travel. You know, they would send, like every team had a reporter there. You know, sometimes multiple. You know, it was those post-game press conferences were... You know, you couldn't find a seat. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. And I don't know how much the fans care about that or notice that, but I do think it adds a little bit to the overall sort of energy, electricity hype around the event when it's getting that much more coverage. Yeah, we, we, the media sometimes lives in our own vacuum, but it right. felt like a big deal, not in those, not just in those full little press rooms, that dingy little thing that they constructed for in the, the bowels of the arena, the uh, yeah. old arena. But then outside of that, there was the working area that was also just a dark, dingy thing. But it was like, you got these people from Fargo and these people from mm-hmm. uh, Tulsa and all mm-hmm. that stuff that mm-hmm. are there. And I don't, yeah. So uh, maybe it's just our vacuum that we live in and it's whatever. But. But so you're saying Saturday at noon for the Jack women, which seems to be like the rite of passage. They're almost always the number one seed, almost. Uh, and uh, Saturday night for the men, and they're going to get the late game, right? They're getting the 8:30 game. Mm-hmm. So we're saying so that could be that could be a huge just because it is a Saturday night. It not only it could be a huge crowd, could be a very lively crowd because that's kind of the one that you know you're getting. Mm-hmm. You're not guaranteed the Monday right. and Wednesday Tuesday games. So maybe ex- the, the, the joint could be happening on Saturday night, especially at 8.30 when there's people been a little extra time yeah. for people to drink just a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, is that first-round game going to be much of a contest? I understand the history of losing or almost losing to eight seeds or yep. seven seeds for the Jacks yeah. the last few years. So, but what do you expect out of that game? I mean, they're playing really, really well right now. Um, you know, obviously lost their most recent game, but Oral Roberts beat them by 50 the First time they played them, <clears throat> and they had a shot to beat them this time. Zeke Mayo's, you know, turned into one of the best players in the league. Matt Dentlinger's really playing well. They're playing well defensively. Um, they're just kind of, they've become the team, I think, all year that Eric Anderson wanted them to. And, you know, part of it was the start of the year. They thought they were going to have Luke Apple 
Um, Charlie Easley was hurt for a while. You know, they didn't know who the hell they were when the season started, and it took them a while to figure it out. Once they knew for sure Luke Apple wasn't going to be coming back. Um, someone asked me about that on Twitter, like w w how different would the season have been if Luke Apple had played this year. It would be a lot different. You know, he had a 40-point game last year against Oral Roberts. I mean, he probably would have scored 15 or 16 a game this year if he'd been healthy. Um, but so it took him a while to figure out how to play without him. And then with Easley being gone for a while, but, you know, they have a small rotation. They're not very deep, and they're one injury away from being a not very good team, I, I think. But if they can if they can keep playing like they have been, I'm not too worried about them losing on Saturday night. And uh, you know, it's interesting. We've talked a lot in general on this podcast about how the men at times have seemed to maybe struggle with the environment, with the crowd. The women always know how to harness that. They come out and they are just, you know, the the Summit League tournament crowd is like a, a battery for the SDSU women. They plug it in and charge it and boom, they go. Even when they lose, it isn't because they came out and you know, we're squeezing the ball too tight. They play good basketball in Sioux Falls. The men, it hasn't always been like that. We've seen so many games, some of them that they still managed to win, where they came out and just drug their feet for, you know, an entire half or couldn't get going or couldn't make shots. And it was so obvious, no matter how much, you know, whoever the SDSU's coach at the time tried to push back against the narrative, you know, unsuccessfully. It's like, dude, we're watching the game. We can see your team. They are not responding well. They are nervous. They are flat. They're not making shots. They're not playing with confidence. We've seen that happen a few times. That was the narrative last year. You know, it was like, okay, they're 18 and 0. They're 10 times better than everybody else. They're just blowing through the league. But what's going to happen when we get in the Summit League tournament? Are they going to be nervous again? Are they going to be scared or whatever? Is that going to affect them? Nope. And I think largely that was just because Baylor Shireman was the perfect leader for that team. Um, I think he was going to kind of personally make sure that didn't happen. They got through the tournament just fine, made it to the NCAAs. Um, this year, now they're not the favorites. And now they're granted they're going to be the favorite in their first first game and their second game. Um, but if they are fortunate enough to win those two and get to the championship game against Oral Roberts, I think that, that benefits them. I think they go into that going, hey, we got nothing to lose. We're going against the team that Oral Roberts would be 20-0 and by then. It's like, okay, they're the number one seed. They're 20-0. and 0. They went to the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. We got nothing to lose. You know, we're not supposed to win this game. But we've got our fans here. You know, we've got essentially a home court advantage. You know, let's go out and take a shot at these guys. And we've talked, too, before about how hard it is to beat a good team three times in one year. I'm not predicting SDSU is going to win this tournament. I think Oral Roberts is going to because I just think they're the best team. But I will not at all be surprised if SDSU ends up winning this tournament. Well, they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe and they proved it. I mean, we right. got a, we got a right. recent glimpse of where these teams exactly are right now in front of a partisan SDSU crowd, and it was very much up for grabs in the final couple minutes. And I want to I get more into that, but I can't resist the, the, the next topic that you just made me think. Better SDSU home court advantage? You kind of answered it by what you just said, so maybe not. But better SDSU home court advantage. Frost Arena or the Summit or the Denny Ooh. at the Summit League tournament. For the men, it's definitely Frost. I mean, they're what eighty and five oh, there in the last number, how many number years? one in the nation since twenty eleven. Right, and part of that's because nobody will play them there. They don't ever really play anyone very tough besides their conference yeah. opponents. Um, but I mean, and we saw it this year. Maybe it was because SDSU was having a, a sort of middling season. The way the Frost Arena fans turned out this year was incredible. I mean. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't ever remember a season where there was so much energy at Frost Arena. Huh. 
Certainly not last year when they were on that big winning streak. And now maybe that was because they were killing everybody. You know, you showed up to Jack's men's game going, okay, we're going to win by 25 tonight. This year, they got off to the slow start. It kind of felt like maybe it was more a case of Jack's fans going, hey, we got to come out and, and kind of help do our part, be the sixth man, so to speak. You were at the North Dakota State game, and, you know, that was an incredible atmosphere, great game. The exact same thing when they played USD a week later, the exact same thing when they played Oral Roberts last week. I mean, there were multiple home games this year at Frost, just regular season games where the environment there was unbelievable for a you know mid-major small arena regular season game I mean there's no one else in the Summit League that's doing it like that and so that's the answer to your question it's definitely Frost Arena I think on the men's side with the women though I think it's Sioux Falls I think just it's a bigger crowd and like I said whether you want to give Aaron Johnston the credit or it's just the success they've had over the years and the confidence that that has has instilled in that program um, they've lost a few times there but that was the aberration. They go into that building and they're like, hi, we're here to kick your ass. Yep. We're going to go to the NCAA yep. tournament. Stop yep. us. Yeah. Um, I, oh, man, it's, it's, it's a fun comparison. By the way, there are a thousand more people, according to the attendance numbers, at the Oral Roberts game than there was I at saw the that. NDSU game. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the USD attendance was, but it was just over 3,000. Sellout. It's like 4,500. Yeah. Um, I don't know what sellout means at Frost Arena. But. Which goes to show you the SDSU fans aren't just going to show up because they're playing a rival. They'll, they'll show up knowing, hey, this is the number one team in the league. And, yeah. You know. I thought uh, and the, given and that it wasn't a rivalry game, the weather had been shitty that week, and it was the last game before the Summer League tournament, I thought there was going to be a small crowd. And it wasn't for – it's not like the regular season title was yeah. up for grabs. They already yeah. knew We already knew what the seeds would yeah. be in the tournament. That really impressed me. Yeah, that was really cool. So uh, how did they do it? I mean, it w- did, did it look like an – or? I didn't see any of the game. I read your story, but it's been a couple days. Did it look like an or like a bad or are you performance, or did, was it just like um, this is legit? SDSU went toe to toe with them, and I mean, ORU you didn't play great, but a lot of it was because of what SDSU was doing to him. Okay, um, Matt Mims did a great job on Max Asmus. He only made two field goals. I mean, he's the best player in the league. He made two shots, um, and then Connor Vanover, their seven foot five center. I mean, we don't see people like that in the Summit League. So for one thing, it was just cool to witness a human being that looks like that in person. I mean, he's a, 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 a specimen. Did he come to the press conference? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. That's um, too bad. But, uh, I mean, he's a good player. He's not, you know, Manute Bowl, some freak show that can't actually play basketball. I mean, he can shoot the three. He leads the league in block shots. He's a double-figure scorer. Um, and he was Oral Roberts' leading scorer in that game, but I wasn't terribly impressed. Matt Dentlinger had 20-some points going right at him. And Matt Dentlinger's almost a foot shorter than him. And you could see wow. Vanover, like, how come I'm not blo- – like, he didn't have one block shot in the game. Seven foot five, leads the league in blocks. He didn't have a single one. And now Matt Dentlinger probably outweighs him by 30 pounds. He's stronger, you know, as Matt Dentlinger shoots 75% from the floor. He's got a really good back-to-the-basket game. Um, but that, I thought, was telling. Like, geez, you got a seven five center who leads the league in blocks and he can't stop Matt Dentlinger, who's six eight. Now, we'll see what kind of adjustments they make if they have to play him again. But between Dentlinger going right at Vanover, Mims doing a good job on Acemas, now who knows? Maybe that just means that those two guys are going to go off the next time they play him. But to me, it looked like SDSU saying, yeah, we can play with this team. Um, then you factor Zeke Mayo didn't have a great game. The, offensively, the Jacks didn't have a great game. They had 15 turnovers, and I, I would bet six or seven of them were just dribbling it off their foot. You know, it wasn't, wasn't – Great defense. Uh, it was it was frustrating to watch from a Jack's perspective because it's like, geez, you're shutting down the best offense in the league, 
and you're still going to lose because you can't get the ball across half court. You can't make an open shot. Uh, so I definitely think, you know, they came away from that going, not just like, oh, we can beat that team. I think they already knew that. I think it was more they came away from that game going, we should have literally won this game. So, I mean, like I said, I, Oral Roberts is the best team. Uh, they're just deeper, more experienced. They should win, and that's my prediction that they're going to win. But can the Jacks beat them? Absolutely they can. Who are the Yotes playing as the sixth seed on Sunday night? North Dakota State. Okay, so, I mean. Not a good draw for USD in my opinion. Uh, let's see. I mean, they split with the Bison during the yeah, regular season. Yeah, I was going to say, they beat them in their most recent won, game. Could have won the one that they lost. Um, but I just, people know I'm a pretty big fan of North Dakota State men's basketball. I think they're a, a really good program. I like Dave Richmond. I think he's a good coach. I mean, Grant Nelson's potentially an NBA player. He's really, really good. They've got a pretty good supporting cast. And guess what? Lo and behold, what NDSU did this year, what they always do. They kind of early in the season, like, geez, the Bison aren't going to be any good this year. They look like shit. Well, they've won five out of their last six. They're coming into the tournament hot. That, to me, is just a tough draw for USD. Okay. Uh, should USD get by them, great, but they're going to run into a Jack team that's drilled them twice, right? Well, no, no the second, was, second was, was, was That was a couple yeah, weeks USD ago. USD could have won that game. Yeah. Okay. So that, that could be fun. And as we've and said many times, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. Yeah. And USD fans would definitely show up for that. They yep. would have a they would have a little red revival there, uh, despite the fact that you know the most passionate of them that I know, uh, Coyote Eric says there's the there's zero there's almost zero zeal for uh, both USD uh, men's and women's teams uh, for most of the season from their fan base and their hardcore fans. But if it's SDSU and NDSU in the semifinal, hey now. Yeah. I mean, obviously we saw that 88-85 thriller uh, less than a month ago, so that there could be some fireworks on Monday night as well. I yeah. mean, NDSU would have a decent chance of knocking off the Jacks, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They're really okay. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of NDSU, eh, I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, so the – I don't know. I, uh, this was a this was a fun one as well for the Summit League tournament. Beyond all these Jackrabbit and Coyote storylines that we've I think exhausted, unless we you feel like we've left anything out here, um, uh, it, it, and the fact that Oral Roberts is really good and worth. I mean, they're a fun team to watch, right? Mm -hmm. They're high scoring. They got a seven five center. They got the best player in the league who's a guard, and we're all familiar it's not just with those two. It's a good sporting cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, they're fun to watch. Uh, anything else I'm leaving out beyond uh, the, these the state's borders? Like, what could be something fun to look for if you're going to uh, yeah, any of the games or well, watching thing, on Midco? There's, there's games on Friday now, yeah. and it's going to be weird, for lack of a better word, because none of the local teams are playing on Friday. So how empty will the gym be? That's, you know, yeah. uh, I don't About have to cover. About as empty as it is on Sunday nights, <laughs> on yeah, most Sundays. Yeah. Um, I don't have to cover any of those games, so I'm planning on maybe just popping out on Friday just to see what it looks like, see how it's going. Um, I like, and everyone, it seems to be unanimous. All the other coaches in the league, I think AD types, like they like that they did this. Let's have every team in the tournament. Why not? And even this year, St. Thomas, they're not eligible. Here's a storyline for you. It's not going to happen, but St. Thomas could win this tournament, but they're not eligible for the postseason. Hmm. If that happens, the regular season champ gets in. Um, so, like I said, nothing against St. Thomas, but I don't see them, you know, running the table and win it, winning this tournament. But they're in it for the first time. Uh, that adds a little bit to it. Like I said, just having all ten teams here, um, I, you know, I think Friday's going to be dead. It's going to be empty. Yeah. Um, but you know, very easily. If USD got beat on last Saturday, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, 
they could have been playing on Friday, and then that would have been different. Other years, it'll probably work yeah. out. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that's I guess the big thing that's different this year. Yeah, I guess Sunday, Sunday this year, most, some Sundays in the past when both the SDSU and USD men and women have both Saturday. have all been good in top two seeds. There's like <laughs> nothing. Maybe one game on Sunday between the four state schools, but. Uh, there's going to be two because USD, I think USD's women and men both play on Sunday. So Sunday might be a more lively day than usual for yourself and uh, your own personal coverage. Now that you're not under the Argus umbrella, are you going to cover it any more, any less? Do you feel less obligated to cover the non-Jackrabbit and USD stuff? or um, I'll be covering every Jacks or Coyotes game. Okay. Um, so you're going to be there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll yeah. be living there. The guys from Fargo are coming down. Um, if they didn't, I probably would have ended up covering the Bison too. But um, I mean, I like being out there. Okay, it's not, so like, it's not like it's uh, oh geez, I have to stay out here and cover another game. I mean, you know, it's an awesome atmosphere, environment. The view from the press box is great. It's not like they stick us up in the boonies like they do in some places. Mm -hmm. The food's good. It's two miles away from my house. If I have to run home because I forgot my recorder or something, yeah. you know, like I'm good. Like it's, um, I you know, it was the same when it was at the arena. It was the same when. The Argus had a full staff. I mean, me and Terry would be out there for pretty much the whole thing, and Stan yeah. Mick would come out. And I mean, it was, you know, yeah. I I'm certainly not worried about. Oh, I have to cut. Like, like I said, I probably won't be out there very much on Friday, but Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but I'll you, be out there pretty you, much camped out. You might catch games that you're not covering. Is what you're we'll saying? We'll see. I wish the Jacks played at six o'clock on Saturday, because then I'd probably hang out and have a beer, watch the late game. But um, now it will be probably past midnight before I. That is true. On that night, but of course, not that anybody cares about little old me. But I'm trying to wrestle between. I, I've got no assignments to cover this for any professional outlet, so um, I could try to find a pass, an extra pass lying around somewhere. But I kind, I kind of want to, I kind of want to do the thing Jen and I did at Frost Arena. Just mm -hmm. go as, just go as a fan. Maybe, maybe Saturday night. Maybe Saturday night's the deal. The 8:30 SDSU game, or wait till two Championship Tuesday when both Jack teams will be making it. But um, okay, so I mean, so it's all there for you. Um, this is—I don't know how much our listeners care about this, but I, I think it's fun. This is not like the 10th year anniversary or some milestone for the Summit League tournament. But I was thinking today, like, if you could put together, there, there's been some interesting teams and interesting times and interesting moments in the in the whole history of this thing. Uh, like the most memorable uh, games and or memorable coaches, like your favorite things in the past to cover beyond the jackrabbits and the coyotes in this thing like i i think of uh again i go back to the beginning when i was personally more invested because i, <laughs> I worked for an outlet that was more invested um and uh just like the i i look i look forward to the little quirky stuff like oakland's kind of kooky uh women well both oakland coaches yeah i miss the oakland coaches um, the, the women's coach, just because she seemed certifi certifiably insane, and you <laughs> knew just she was going to go somewhat off the handle uh, in her post-game remarks. She was rather holier than thou. She was rather religious, and yep. uh, she went she flew off the handle with religious remarks. And I remember her. I can't remember her name. <coughs> Becky, yeah, Becky something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and also she was openly uh, almost spiteful and hateful of Sioux Falls hosting the thing. She really did not like the fact that... Uh, that the Jackrabbits were getting the home court advantage and treatment. And uh, I also liked Oakland men's, the Oakland men's coach, Greg Campy. Greg I Campy, thought he was yep. a treat. I think he's still there, right? I believe so. Uh, any, any other favorite quirky memories from this thing that, uh, oh, that get you nostalgic or uh, 
about I covering mean, I more this? I just remember, you know, some great games, some great players, uh, some great moments. You know, I'll never forget when SDSU won their first one. I mean, that was arguably the most significant at the time event sports-wise in the history of South Dakota. I mean, we were going, and when I say we, I mean South Dakota as a state, uh, going to the NCAA tournament. You know, when the students rush the floor, <clears throat> I'll never forget that. Because we all kind of knew that was going to happen eventually. You go Division One, but, you know, if someone had told us back in 2002 when SDSU first went Division One, yeah, it's going to take 30 years for you to get your first NCAA tournament, would that have surprised you? Not necessarily. Like, okay, it's, it's hard to go to the NCAA I think tournament. that's a bit of a stretch. Maybe. Like, it's Just because you're in a, a, a mid-major league, like, you know, yeah. usually the schools that have the longest droughts are ones that are in major conferences where they've got a lot of But I guess we didn't know at the time, let's face it, we didn't know at the time Sioux Falls was going to get the tournament. Right. I mean, that's a game changer right, right there. Right. I mean, and, th and that's why whenever some SDSU fan talks about how he wants to get out of the Summit League because it's too small time for him, like, how many NCAA tournaments do you think your jacks would be in if you didn't have this tournament in your backyard? Yeah. Um, Trust me, as a fan of Creighton and Nebraska, who always have to go a long way for their conference tournament, it's just not. Yeah. You watch these games on TV. I've gone to a couple. Of those. It's it's really hard. It's really hard to win three games in three days yeah. on the road in a neutral environment against other teams. Anyway, go on. When when it's the the whole crowd's not on your side. But yeah, I mean, you know, I just I you know, you're a little bit more. Um, interested, excited in, in other coaches and press conference. I, that, that kind of stuff doesn't resonate with me as much as it does with you. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't. I mean... <clears throat> That's fine. I'm, I'm doing this only for my own amusement. When I, I hope when I think still of, listening right now. You know, I think the my most, whatever, biggest memory or greatest moment for something I think will always be Michael Orris' shot against USD in the, I believe it was the semifinals. Um, I mean, it was just one of the most clutch shots you'll ever uh. see, and it came from a guy who... Who can't shoot? I mean, Michael Morris was a or Oris was a a pass first defense point guard. That's why he was open. USD wanted him to shoot it, and he made the shot. And it, you know, they ended up. That was the year they were what I think a four seed. That was the, uh, you know they had started the year one and six or whatever. Yes. TJ's first year, and, and that was USD's one regular season yep. summit title. They were yep. the number one seed. Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. That that one's way way up there. I think just in general memories of of players like Mike Dom and Nate Walters. Um, the first year, or was it second year, I think? Yeah, second year at the Premier Center, uh, which ended up being Scott Nagy's last year when they had Dom was a freshman. You had DeAndre Parks, George Marshall, Jake Biddle. Boy, that was a really good team. Almost beat Maryland in the first round of the tournament. Um, the USD-SDSU battles over the years with, you know, Macy Miller and Kira Duffy and Hannah Shervin and, you know, Don versus AJ, mm -hmm. um, you know, th those are the things th that I always remember. Right. Well, that Mooney, the, the, uh, I think it was Mooney's last year at USD. They played the Jacks. I believe they played the Jacks in the final. I, th I think they did. It was Mooney versus Dom the year before Mooney went to Texas Tech. And it was, it was a, I mean, I just remember a 10, it was, yeah, that's, it was a game that got, I'm pretty sure got into the 80s, 80s and or 90 something to 80 something SDSU. And, uh, and then that was it for Matt Mooney. He was mm -hmm. off to, uh, he was off to Lubbock the next year. But I mean, it was 10, it was at least 10,000, should have been a sellout, but it was at least 10,000. Uh, one of my favorite things was year one, Jackrabbits are the number seven seed men 
and uh, they're playing Oral Roberts, the number two seed. At the time, Scott Sutton had ORU rolling pretty good. Oakland was the number one seed because they had a great team, and I think they had a future NBA player on that team. But Keith Benson. Thank maybe. you, yes. And um, But ORU had been kind of the class of the league for a few years, partly because the tournament was in Tulsa. had been in Tulsa. And uh, so they came in as the number two seed. Scott Sutton, Eddie's kid, was the head coach. And uh, SDSU, I'm pretty sure the four years before this, was like those dark years of six and seven wins mm -hmm. and one kind of weird, uh, unfortunate scandal. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure plenty of Jacks fans were wondering about Scott Nagy. It was so compelling how uh -huh. he was such at the top of his game as a young coach in Division Two, and now it looks like he's in over his head, and he looked tired. I mean, Scott uh -huh. always looked kind of – he was always kind of cranky, but he mm -hmm. always looked kind of tired and older than he, he was. And, um, and then all of a sudden the – uh, I'll have another. Thank you. You going to have another? Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the seven seed Jacks, who were about a 500 overall they team. They won that first round game, that first yeah. year of the arena. Yeah. I mean, and it was amazing because I yeah. don't even think the Jackrabbit fans, they showed up because this was a big mm -hmm. deal. First year of the mm -hmm. Summit League Tournament in Sioux Falls, mm -hmm. the women were flying high. But it, and everyone kind of felt like, just win a game. We know you can't yes. win the tournament. Just win a game. That and was they quite. Did. That was quite a day. I, I'll never forget walking into the arena. First of all, the parking, because I'm used to. I was used to events at the arena before the Summit League tournament with the Jacks playing. Like I know Sioux Falls Storm games almost always sold out and stuff like that. But I just I had to park like in the outfield behind the birdcage because there were so many cars, and it was snowing. It was a March day. It was 30 degrees and uh -huh. and snowing. There were Jackrabbit fans who walk. I mean, it was an insane amount of parking. It was almost full, 6,000 or whatever. And just the the anticipation for the noon game and the Jackrabbit women seated number one were tipping this whole thing off. But then later that night, the night game at 8.30, the fact that the Jacks men uh, won. And I'll just remember Scott Nagy saying that night. He said... Uh, he just sat there in the press conference, and they asked him, you know, we asked him how this happened, and because uh, they were big underdogs, and he just and he just said, I, he said, I told the guy, I told the guys, it was either before the game or halftime. I just told them not tonight, not tonight. This is not almost the Herb Brooks thing, yep. like not to. This mm -hmm. is not. We are basically we're not going to be a bunch of sad sack losers anymore. Tonight mm -hmm. is where that ends. And I think that kind of springboarded. Mm -hmm. I mean, within a couple of years, I think two years later, they they beat Western Illinois and won their first of, what, six Summit League titles? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that was one of my favorite nights. And um, there's, there's a couple more, but I can tell you're not that interested. No, so. <laughs> I, I remember that well. I was there. And, and – uh, and I wasn't there. I had, I had moved to Lincoln by the point that they won. I mean, that had to have been mm. marvelous. Uh, that was like a 51-50 game against, or something like that against Western remember. Illinois um, to win the title in 2012. Their I first just remember winning it. I was there. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty big bringing deal. in Nate Walters, that was, that was pretty clutch, you know, to getting that done. But um, one thing that I remember the first couple, maybe it was the first one in Sioux Falls, you know, I covered uh, Augustana at the time who had two very good teams in Division Two, men and women. And I was very curious. I'd, you know, gone to cover the Jacks here and there, like if Terry was on the road or something. So it's not like I'd never seen the Jacks play. But I wanted to see that whole tournament, you know, kind of get to see the other teams and get a little bit of a better feel for the Summit League at that time. And I remember watching the a men's game first and being like, eh, this isn't that much better than the NSIC, you know. 
It's the level of play. Yeah, like it was better, but not like, oh my God, you know, this team would beat Augie by 50. No, they wouldn't. Uh, and I don't think anyone took any offense to that. The NSIC has always been a really, really good basketball league for Division Two. But then I watched the women, and that was the year, their first year tournament eligible. They won 30-some games, got a six seed, won their first-round tournament game. I think Jen Workentine was the star player senior that year. And I watched maybe 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes. Well, I mean like 10 minutes of, of real time, not 10 minutes of clock time, of those that Jack's women's team. And I went, my God. <laughs> This team would beat the NSIC champion 99-5. to five. <laughs> Holy shit, these women are good. Yeah. Like, it was so on another level. And I just – I was blown away by how yeah. good they were. And I still think that's largely the case. I mean, and no offense to teams in the NSIC because there's some really good ones. And I do think the rest of the Summit League, eh, you know, not so great. Uh, you know, if, if, if uh, Minnesota Duluth or Augustana were in the Summit League right now, they'd win some league games. But they wouldn't beat the Jacks. Mm, I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that program and USD last year, obviously they're taking a step back this year, but their team last – I mean, Jesus, they were a bucket away from the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, really oh good basketball. Uh, they won the last – the USD women won the last two years, right? They won, they won two, the last yeah. 200 on – Because two years ago was the year the Jacks went undefeated in the regular season, then Maya Sell and tore ACL the last day of the that's year. Right. And oh. so they got beat in the first round of the or the Summit League That's tournament. right, by Omaha. Yep. Um, but th- and then USD beat the Jacks last year. Two years before that, it was SDSU and the Jacks, and I can't remember and the Yotes. I can't remember if USD was the one seed or the two. I'm sure they were. They were both very close. They all kind of run together. Yeah, they do. And but it was still like the USD women had not won the tournament since they scored the big upset under Amy Williams back in 2014, and I think Denver upset SDSU to make it Denver and USD for the title. Anyway, and I was I was not living here at the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, USD hadn't won for several years, and they hadn't won in, in the time that Don had taken them back up to, like, mm-hmm. were competing. And it went down to the wire, USD and SDSU. Pretty sure USD was the number one seed, and the Jacks got them. And, I mean, it was devast- devastating loss for USD. I th- correct me if I'm wrong, That was the but that USD team lost that game, but they became the first at-large team. I think they became the first at-large mm-hmm. team from South Dakota. That was mm-hmm. the first year somebody they were the other, first ones to do it. Yeah. Yes, the Jacks won the tournament, but USD was so good they got uh, an at-large bid. Anyway, they didn't know they were going to get that at the time. And Don, uh, you know, and their play, their players had cried. They were at the press conference. I remember the press conference. We were carrying this live on our daily show, mm-hmm. and we did for some reason we had a technical glitch in carrying the post-game mm-hmm. press conference. So I was like, I kind of felt like I still, I got to talk to Don. I got to get, you know, we got to get reaction from Don on our airwaves. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do about this? I'm not going to, I don't have any time. I can't ask somebody else to help me get Don. So I stood by the door where the players and the coaches exit in a press conference. Don's the first one that walked out. She looks pissed off. She looks like she's seen a ghost. She Mm -hmm. wants to go run and hide somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, "Um, hey, can you, we, you mind if we get a quick one-on-one here? And oh, I mean, she she said yes, but she looked like that's the last thing on earth she wanted to do. But she I kinda, remember she, she was. Um, oh, I, she was I vividly really remember how pissed off she was. She was so. She and, seemed angry. And I don't know yeah. if it was the refs that game or or what, but it was just like, man, was she upset? Yeah. And she gave me a death stare, but said yes. She's like, yeah. it's gonna make me. She knew she had the wherewithal to know, even though it was just me and her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is radio, not TV. There's no camera there. She knew, she just kind of figured this is gonna be bad if I did turn down the interview. So she did it and she sucked it up and she did a great interview. But I'll never forget that, that emotion, just that uh, that's what these things bring out is the mm-hmm. high
highest uh, possible emotions you can imagine. And uh, so now, now I'm all jacked up to see it all again. A um, couple cleanup items before we go. We had the Dave Kraut and uh, discussion last week. What we, what we left out of that discussion that one of our listeners reminded me was, who's going to take over for Dave Kraut? Is there, is there a sense? Is it going to be... Katie Bork, who you, you talked to for the story, has made a, I would like it to be Katie, but I don't think it's going to be. Interesting. Okay. I think she's ready, and I, I think really highly of her. She's been there. She's put in her dues. Um, the obvious, Obviously, right now, the, the trend or whatever is to, if you can, have women coach women's basketball. Um, that's about all I guess I can say on that, but my sense is that it won't be Katie. Um, and then I, so maybe I'm wrong. That's, that's the impression I've got from asking around a little bit. Um, so then I don't know who it's going to be. Well, everybody's intrigued to like, what about Travis Trapp? Hey, 10 years ago, it would have been Trapp. Um, but now I don't think so. Uh, and I could be wrong about that too. I mean, I, you know, it's funny when, when Don Plitzewhite left, when Todd Lee left, when TJ Otzelberger left, we always had a pretty good feel for, you know, I mean, I had the eventual head coach on my list of candidates every time. Uh, I don't really know who who might be in the picture here. I mean, there's some names we can throw out, obviously. Uh, you know, Trapp's been at USF for a long time. I just kind of feel like maybe that isn't the direction they want to go. Um, they didn't have a great year this year. I don't think that's any in any way a reflection on Trapp or anything that, you know. Oh, uh, he had injuries up the wazoo. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, um, I was thinking about it yesterday. I mean, Mandy Pearson at Duluth, they've won four titles in a row. They're awesome. Chelsea DeVille? Yeah, that's Bemidji? a – Yep, that's – I mean, she's, she's had some success there. So They had a bad year this year. But, again, everyone thinks the world of Chelsea DeVille. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see her take that job. I know she's really happy in Bemidji. Um, that's where I was going, like, with Mandy Pearson um, or even Emily Teasy in Mankato. She's Amy, Amy Williams' sister. Um, those are great candidates, but they're in the NSIC already. Would they see Augustana as a as a step up? Would they be willing to leave their current job right. for that? Maybe because – you know, you're in Sioux Falls, which is the best city in, in that market, in that conference. Uh, and also, there still is the potential for a Division One move looming out there. And if you're a coach, you're looking at it going, if they do eventually go Division One while I'm the coach, I'm going to make a lot more money. Yeah. Because that's part of what you have to do when you tra- transition to Division One. You have Absolutely. to pay your coaches a lot more. Mm-hmm. So if that was part of the calculus, I could see any of those coaches I just mentioned being like, yeah, hi, I'm very interested. Um, that, that reminds me. It's not like USF and Augustana, men and women. They all have really good basketball programs. Sometimes they'll have off years, but the USF men just split the South title. It was kind of a rock fight the whole year, but they mm-hmm. did split the title. Uh, the Augustana men struggled to just get in the turn. It's a really good competitive league. So I'm not putting down any of the four programs, and I think the world of all the coaches, and you know, I'm covering my own bases as well, just in case they hear this, uh, <laughs> full disclosure. But are you surprised that it, things aren't a little more dominant and successful here in Sioux Falls with all four of those programs, USF men and women, Augie men and women, because you just mentioned, I mean, the tournaments, the the, the, the NSAC tournament is in Sioux Falls. Yeah. And it, it Shouldn't that have some resonating advantage the same way mm. it does for USD and SDSU in the Summit League? I think the maybe, maybe not. I think the uncertainty of Augie's future has hurt them. You know, trying to recruit for, I, I mean, oh. Tom Billiter was telling his recruits, we're going to be Division One by the time you're a junior or whatever. And Interesting. Now that's not happening. Yeah. You know, they lost some kids. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Plitzewhite was the freshman of the year for Augie, and he left. And that wasn't related to the D1 thing, I don't think. It was, you know, the, the new USD coach, Todd Lee, wanted him. 
Um, but that's something they're dealing with. I, you know, I think whether you're Augie, you're USF, Northern State, St. Cloud State, uh, you're always, especially in basketball with such a small number of, of players, uh, you're always going to struggle a little bit with having a couple D1s right in your neighborhood because you're probably recruiting a lot of the same kids and you think you're getting somebody and then all of a sudden at the last minute, oh, Eric Henderson swoops in and guess where he's going. You know, so there's that. Um, you know, like I said, the NSIC is a good league. And in basketball in particular, you know, only five guys can play at a time. You know, so th there's it's a lot easier um, to, to make a program good in basketball because it only takes a couple players and one other roster starts filling up. OK, you know, you're going to go somewhere else. You don't want to go play at this school or that school because they're already full. They already got their mm -hmm. dudes. Um, so I don't you know, pl plus Augustana is a different a and USF. They're private schools. That rules out an entire population of players. Yeah, no kidding. You know, whether it's Fair. for financial reasons or, you know, personal reasons, if they're not religious or whatever, you know. And, and this when, when I was a kid, I didn't want to have anything to do with Augustan or USF, you know, just because I was like, ah, I'm not a private school guy. Now, to be clear, neither of those schools were recruiting me for anything. Right. But, but I just mean like that was, I wouldn't have even considered that an option. And I think there's a lot of kids that, that still look at it that well, way. Well, when you think about it, some of the dominant teams that are in, in, the, in the NSIC for the major sports are like Duluth for basketball, women's, and mm -hmm. um, Mankato, uh, Mankato for, for everything. Yeah, yeah St. Cloud. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, did you see the Fran McCaffrey, Kelly Pfeiffer stare down? Of course, everybody yeah, did, of yeah. course. What'd you make of it? Do you know Kelly very well? Have you ever uh, done a story I've, on him? No, or? I've never done a story on him. I've maybe met him before he was famous. Okay. Whatever. Still lives so. in Mitchell. I That's crazy. Okay. Uh, that's, I feel like I ran into him at a bar somewhere and was yeah. introduced to him. As far as I know, real nice guy. Which, which, um, I think the, the the it seems to be the returns are in. It, it, uh, Fran looked a lot worse than, than Kelly did in that stare down. I mean, I think Fran McCaffrey's kind of a jackass, Every, but I thought, I, thought, I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't think of Fran. I didn't think Fran came off like an asshole in that. I thought it was funny. Um, well, but I also, I think but, we all thought it was funny, right? But but in a let, like he's been more of a douchebag than that before, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, like, like when you're like verbally assaulting people, that's that's where to me sometimes it's like get this guy out of here. Yeah. Um, but I like many people was very impressed with how Kelly handled that. I thought that was textbook officiating. And you don't think he should have teed him up? I don't think so. What, what think would, what would made... be the grounds? You know, I yeah. mean, he didn't say anything. Right. He didn't, you know, and it felt like Fran kind of knew right where the line was and made sure not to cross it. Yeah. But I liked how Kelly didn't, you know, look away. Yeah. You know, he didn't look at his shoes or anything. Stared right back at him. Stared right back at it. And then when Fran took a couple steps forward, he took a couple steps forward yes. too. Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know. Hats off to Kelly Pfeiffer. I thought he yeah. handled that very, very well. Yeah, I know we got to go. I remember him refing Minnesota West Junior College games oh, in yeah. Worthington 16, 17 years ago. I just think it's awesome how he continues to climb up the ladder and do these games. And, uh, and he's, yeah, I just, he's never, I was not, it's easy to say this in hindsight, but obviously having seen him ref uh, JUCO games 17 years ago, I was not surprised that he, handled himself that well in that because we all would like to think we'd handled ourselves that well mm -hmm. with millions of people watching on TV 10,000 people and, and it's the home game it's the home coach the team's down by 10 they think they're getting screwed that we would handle it just as well as Kelly did but that's not a guy you screw with so that was Good that was you, Kelly that was cool all right bye Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.